a good near of Shabbos to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul as we now prepare for Shabbos Shuva, the Shabbos that's called Shuva because of the Haftorah of Shuva that we should return to Hashem. It's a Shabbos of Shuva. And the obvious uh, understanding is that Shabbos is one of the days of uh, the Aseris Yimei Tshuva. But as we discussed on uh, uh, the first night of Rosh Hashanah, we discussed the idea that Shabbos is really our great defense attorney. Because Shabbos, we know, was not married to anybody of the six days of the week. Every day had a partner, but Shabbos didn't. And Hashem says, I'm giving you the Jewish people. And therefore, with all the prosecution that could happen during the Aser Shemei Tshuva, the greatest defense attorney for the Jewish people is the Shabbos. And certainly, the way the Jewish people keep the Shabbos will either enhance or detract from the ability for Shabbos to defend us. And therefore, this Shabbos, we want to be extra careful to increase and improve our keeping of Shabbos no matter what level we are on. And I'll come back to that a little bit later on. But let's just start with a vignette. There's an old grandmother, and she, a nice Jewish grandmother, and she's with her grandchild at the beach. And the beach seems to be pretty calm. And the grandchild asks the booby, can I play near the water? She says, sure, you can play near the water. But then, unfortunately, a great uh, surge of water came. And uh, it just took the child and washed him into the ocean. And the uh, grandmother is, 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 she doesn't know what to do. She can't swim. She prays to Hashem. She says, Hashem, please, please save my grandchild. And the grandchild screaming and drowning. And then after a, a moment more of prayer, all of a sudden the wind changed directions and the water spit the child back onto the seashore. So the grandmother hugs the child. She's so happy. But then the mother says, thank you, Hashem. But maybe my child was wearing a sun hat and it got lost in the water. Maybe you can bring back the hat too. And this little vignette uh, typifies an attitude that, you know, we want to have everything. And this is a big issue as we come to wanting things in life, doing chew and things like this, which we will elaborate on. There is one tractate in the Talmud that was totally reserved for Yom Kippur. It's called Maseches Yoma. Yoma means the day. The day of great kapara for the Jewish people. That is Yom Kippur. And the last statement in that tractate of the Mishnayis is attributed to Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva gives us a very beautiful drasha, which we'll discuss in a minute. And that really is the epitome of Yom Kippur. Now, why does Maseches Yoma end Dafka with a statement of Rabbi Akiva? Could be a lot of different rabbis. So the simple answer is Rabbi Akiva was martyred on Yom Kippur. And therefore, he ended his life on Yom Kippur, so he ended the Masechet on Yom Kippur. 
about about him. And Agav, it's interesting, Kol Nidre, when we say the words Or Zarua Lat Sadik Uli Yishrelev Simcha, the end letters spell out Rabbi Akiva. So we see that Rabbi Akiva is in the forefront of the beginning of our Yom Kippur service. And he's also the end of the Mesecha with Yom Kippur. So what is this last statement that Rabbi Akiva makes? He says, Ashrechem Yisrael, fortunate are you, the Jewish people, Lifnei Atem Metaharim. Who are you purifying yourself before? Umi Metaharim. And who is purifying him? You. Who is that? Avichem Shabbat your father in heaven. And then he says the great parable. Maha mikvah mitaheres hatmeim, just like a mikvah can purify those that are tameh. Afa kodesh baruchu mitares yisrael. So too does Hashem purify the Jewish people. This is the sign off for Maseches Yoma. And there's an obvious question over here: What is Rabbi Akiva's insight that we didn't know beforehand? Who are you purifying yourself? Before your father, father in heaven? Who else do you think you're purifying yourself in front of? Okay? And then he says, just like a mikvah purifies those that are tummy, so does Hashem. No, don't we know there's an idea of, of doing tshuva? Is this the first time we're hearing this idea of tshuva from Rabbi Akiva? And there's another interesting question. Another interesting question. It says, carefully, it says... Ma mikvah mitaher Just like a mikvah purifies those that are tummy. Well, obviously, it's mitar those that are tummy. Only if you're tummy, you're impure, can it purify you. If you're tar, there's nothing to purify. So just say, and every word in a Mishnah is very precisely stated. So just say, ma mikvah mitaher. Finished. Not Eshatmein. So what's going on over here? Well, this answer I'm going to share with you is an, an idea that was expressed by Lubavitcher Rebbe that really hits the spot, as they say. We know there is a statement that the greatest enemy of the good is perfection. Perfection is the greatest enemy of the good. And what does that mean? We all try to be, do a good job in whatever we do in life. Do a good job in business, good job in uh, Parnosa, good job in being uh, good Jews. But there's good. And then there's perfect. Now, obviously, perfect is better than good. You know, you get a, take a test, get a 96, that's pretty good. It's excellent. But 100 is perfect. How much effort does it take to make a 96? Whatever effort is necessary. 100 is a lot more effort per point than the 96. Whatever the amount of effort you need to get a 96, but to get that 100, those four more points is much more than the ratio of how much it took to get the 96. Because perfection is extremely difficult. 
very difficult to reach. And if you want to make that search for perfection, there's a high price that you pay. If it's perfection in uh, playing an instrument, if it's perfection at your job, or even the rabbi giving a drush, a good drush and a perfect drush. X amount of time, I hope, I give good drushes. If I want to be perfect, I'm going to spend a lot more time getting just the best joke in the beginning, just the best story to elucidate the point, the exact perfect amount of time to use. That takes me a lot more time. And therefore we say the enemy of the good is perfection because it takes so much time. At what cost? What other things must you forego in order to be perfect in a certain area? And more than that, many people fool themselves and saying, if I can't do it perfect, better not to do it again. That's as silly as saying, if I can't get 100 on the test, I won't study and I'll fail. And that happens a lot from that. You know, we get used to this idea, a lot of charities, Hashem should bless them all. But it's like, today is the only day that every dollar will be matched three, four to one. Only today. And we want to get it done today. Get it all done today. We want to hit our goal. And if you don't hit your goal, of course we'd like to hit the goal. But if you don't hit your goal. So this idea of perfectionism is a great enemy. And that's funny because you wouldn't think it's an enemy. Let's say you want to know Torah and to know it well. But, you know, you only have so much time to learn Daf Yomi. Got to take care of your family. But say, no, I have to know the Daf perfect. Perfect? A perfect? I have to know every word on the Daf Yomi backwards and forwards. Well, maybe you have a photographic memory that could be done. But for you to know it perfect, there's a great cost involved in this. And this is exactly what Rabbi Akiva is telling us. God is not a perfectionist in terms of us, of his demands. Hashem is perfect. And maybe our souls are perfect. But he does not demand perfection from us. He does not say either 100 or I'm not interested. And this is understood by the dream of the ladder that Yaakov had, where we try to ascend. But what's that in the ladder? The ladder means there's step by step by step. And yes, there is an eventual goal to hit the heavens. But you know what? And if you can't hit the heavens, you also reached a certain degree. Very important idea as we come to tshuva. And we're saying, listen, if I can't do 100% tshuva, then there's no point in doing tshuva. This is one of the big, big tricks of the Yetzirah. It's almost, let's say, you have a beautiful white shirt you bought for Shabbos. You get a stain on it, and you try to get the stain out, and you get it 99, 96% out, but a little bit, you can see a little bit of the shade of that red ketchup that was on your shirt. I'm not going to wear this shirt again. I'm going to buy another shirt for $90. Whoa. Can you imagine how upset you are because of the stain, how that could disrupt your whole Shabbos? It's not going to be perfect. So we have to be careful. This is one of the greatest enemies. Now, we should certainly try our best. No question about it. But I'm telling you in advance, trying your best means you're not going to be perfect. But don't be 
we're concerned with a lack of perfection. Now, and and don't allow that nature to say, well, since I can't be perfect, so I'm not going to bother at all. So I nothing to worry about. You know what? Or I'll just uh, throw out the shirt. I'll just throw out the shirt. I mean, it's a $90 shirt. You just wore it once. It costs money. You're wasting money. Well, but it can't be perfect. Says Lubavitcher Rebbe the following. He says, So what do the words exactly mean? It doesn't have to say, Says the Rebbe like this. He says, what would happen? There's different levels of tuma of impurity. The highest level of tuma, tuma is called tumas mace, come in contact with the dead. There are lower levels of tuma that can happen. Touch a rodent, things like that. There are different levels of impurity. Well, let's say you had this tumas mace, you came in contact with the dead. And now you got a lower level tuma. Now to get rid of the tumas mace, if we had a paraduma, it would take a week. So let's say in that week, or let's say you had a smaller tuma before. Either way, the question is, should you go to the mikvah for the lower level of tuma, even though the higher level of tuma is not going to be removed till later? Or say, let's wait, let's wait till we finish up the, the whole thing, get it all done in one shot. Says Rabbi Akiva, Maha mikvah metar es hatmeim. Just like a mikvah is metahir, people who will still end up tummy after going to the mikvah. That's what it means, metar es You didn't get rid of the big tumma, but you got rid of the little tumma. And this is such an awesome message to end the whole Maseches Yoma. Because we read a whole Maseches Yoma. We're learning all about Yom Kippur. We know how important it is, how awesome it is. We know how every Avera is terrible. And we have to clean ourselves. Titaro, you should purify. So we might have thought when we learned the Pasuk, when the Pasuk says, An Yom Kippur, it's a day of Tahara. Tahara means purity. And purity, we may think, is all or nothing in purity. But learn from ivory soap. Even 99, but 44 one hundreds. Still, you could sell it as a bar of soap. It doesn't have to be 100%. This is the hardest point. And therefore, that we have once we know that perfection is not expected, then we know we have a chance. And that's the great message to sign off on Yom Kippur. We're all overwhelmed. There's so many things to fix up. We all know we're not going to be perfect. Does Hashem want somebody who's not perfect? Well, you know, maybe that comes from the attitude that we are not happy in things unless things are perfect. Like that grandmother in the story. Can you maybe give me the hat too? Aren't you happy your kid was saved? Isn't that enough? No, it's not perfect because he had a hat beforehand. Just know Hashem does not expect perfection from us. He expects effort. He expects maximum effort in a reasonable way. But to be perfect, that's not what he expects. And that's what Rabbi Akiva is saying. And therefore, even after Yom Kippur, where we could still be Tameh in certain areas, but that Tahara that happens, and just like Hashem is Metahir the Tameim, so too does the mikvah Metahir people as well. So do, so too does Hashem purify us as well. Avinu Shabbat purifies us in the same way. 
Let me share with you a uh, story that happened since we're talking about Lubavitcher Rebbe, but one of his shlichim, Reb Chaim Gutnik, who served as a rabbi in Melbourne, Australia for many years. And he was known for being a great speaker and he spoke all around the world. It was a very enthusiastic, passionate speaker and it was a very incredible speaker. One time he's with the Lubavitcher Rebbe and he uh, bemoans the following. He says, you know, it's, uh, I speak, but I really never know if I make a difference in people's lives. I don't necessarily feel or see any fruits of people come and say, Rabbi, it was a great drush, unbelievable drush. But the same people I talked to years ago about the importance of Shabbos and they weren't keeping Shabbos, they still don't keep Shabbos. And nothing really changes, he felt. Now, the Rebbe said, what are you talking about? You're a great spirit. But he wasn't satisfied. So the Rebbe answered him with two things. Point number one, we have a rule that whatever comes out of your heart enters the heart. And I know you speak from the heart, so don't think you're not making difference, number one. Number two, if you really want to see more tangible results that you can really see, so add to the drush, not just the theory and the beautiful stories and the passion, but give them a practical piece of advice, even if it's small and minimal, vis-a-vis the over-global aspect of what you're talking about. Okay. Rebbe said that. Sir Gutnick goes back to Australia, and the first Shabbos he's back, there's a big simple, a lot of guests, people who don't usually come that often to show they came. He decided to speak about Shabbos, about Shmir Shabbos. And he gives an amazing drush how Shabbos will change your life and make your life better and everything. And uh, at the end, he adds the following. He said, he says, you're probably wondering, what can you do? What can you get out of this lecture that I gave? Many of you do not keep Shabbos, and you, I'm sure you do not ch- that, uh, plan on changing to keep Shabbos just because I talked about it. So, I'd li- so he said, I'd like to ask you for a personal favor. Personal favor. Um, and even your cardiologist will approve of it. Next Shabbos, when you're going to work, don't smoke for the whole Shabbos. A Shabbos without smoking. That's it. Do everything else. Just don't smoke on Shabbos. I'm sure your heart doctor will tell you it's not good for you. I'm telling you it's not good for you. Just do that. That's all. Nothing else. Do everything else that you do on Shabbos. Okay. The next Shabbos, in the middle of davening, comes a member of the shul who doesn't usually come on Shabbos. So it was quite unusual, but he didn't want to make a disturbance. He's an older fellow, a Holocaust survivor who was religious when he was young, but went off the derech. For obvious reasons, we don't criticize people, what they went through. And really, he doesn't didn't even come on Yom Kippur, this guy. So, but but he came that Shabbos, because it was Simcha. And uh, he came one week. Came another week, came a third week. By the third week, the rabbi says, listen, I'm so happy to see you, but I'm just wondering why have you changed things? So the fellow said, I was in shul three weeks ago when you spoke on Shabbos about the mitzvah of Shabbos and your request to do something to show that it's Shabbos. So what did I do? 
and in Australia at that time it was very common for Jews to work on Shabbos. So from the shul, I went to my office to work like normal and, uh, and to clean things up, whatever. So the first thing I do is I take my hand to my cigarette as I'm used to. But then I said, wait a minute. The rabbi just said, do me a favor not to smoke on Shabbos. So, and uh, I figured, okay, I got to stop. So I stopped. So then my Yetzer Tov said, okay, you're not smoking on Shabbos. So what are you doing in the office? She said, if that's the case, next week I'm going to go to shul. And that is what why I decided to come to shul. And when I came to shul, I saw it was beautiful. It really is a nice experience. And it reminded me of my youth. I decided to come to the next Shabbos and the next Shabbos. Who knows? Maybe one week I'll make a kiddush when I decide to do this on a permanent basis. Okay, so you see that that one step can help. Now we got to go a little bit deeper. So why is it that God will accept imperfection? And why is God enabling us to purify only parts of ourselves and to leave the rest of ourselves tummy? And this is hard to understand, but the Ben Ishchai in, Mesech, in, 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 in uh, Parshish Matos says the following. We just learned in Daf Yomi, Gemara says, Machshava Tova, a good thought, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mitzar Hashem connects it as if you did it. You wanted to do something, you were going to do a mitzvah, but it was beyond your control, it stopped. Hashem considers like you did it. A machshava ra, a bad thought to do a sin, Hashem does not consider as you did it. If it was against, I'm sorry, if you weren't able to do it, Hashem considers as if you did it. Very unusual. It should be, be the same for both. You planned on doing a mitzvah, you really wanted to do a mitzvah, and for whatever reason you couldn't do it. No, you get credit. You get credit as if you did it. And at very, you really want to do it and you couldn't do it? No, you get uh, minus as if you did it. What's going on over here? So the Ben Shachai explains like this. A good thought, a thought through a mitzvah, comes from the depths of the soul of a Jew. Because every Jew deep inside wants to and takes pleasure in doing a mitzvah. And when you decide to do a mitzvah, that is a decision that you have made, your essence has made. And at that point already, a difference has happened. Even though you didn't actually do it, but that desire is a true desire. And that true desire makes it as if you did it. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I realized I just said something wrong. Um, and let me just back it up for a minute. We said a, a good thought Hashem connects as if you did it. A bad thought Hashem does not connect it as you did it. I'm not sure if I said it correctly the first time. So I'm just correcting myself. Got to do tshuva, right? A good thought Hashem considers. A bad thought he doesn't. So the good thought comes from the deep essence of yourself. So Hashem considers like you did. A bad thought, on the other hand, where is that coming from? That's coming from the external part of yourself. It's not the real you. So if you do the Avera, of course you did the Avera, you have to own up to it. 
But if you didn't do it, that wanting doesn't count because no Jew deep inside wants to do an Avera. There's no such thing as a Jew's essence wants to do an Avera. You may do it. If you do it, okay, you did it. Wanting, that wanting is not a wanting. And the Hashem doesn't consider it. Except it's not a zor, that's something else. But, but a mitzvah, once you want to do it, that's the reality. And in that area, you don't get rewarded for the doing, but you get rewarded for the wanting. Remember, it's the wanting. Even though you didn't do it, you get a reward for the wanting. To an Avera, you don't want to do an Avera. You never want to do an Avera. So you don't get punished for, for the wanting. And therefore, you see Hashem, He loves every step of tshuva. Because the whole essence of the person is what's inside. And that step that you did something good, a little bit, that speaks of the essence that the soul really wants to do much, much more. But right now, it just doesn't feel like it can. So therefore, as we say by Abris, this small child should grow up to be big. We know mitzvah, goreris mitzvah. If you really don't smoke that cigarette on Shabbos, because in essence, you really want to keep Shabbos, but there's a lot of things in your life that make it hard to do that. That makes a dent. And that makes all the difference in the world. Therefore, this Shabbos is Shabbos HaGodol. This Shabbos, our great defense attorney, the Shabbos itself, the Shabbos that has no mate, and the only mate is the Jewish people, and each and every one of us is married to the Shabbos. And Hashem may have things that He's going to judge us on, not favorably. And the Shabbos wants to plead on our behalf. But it only can plead on our behalf if we treat the Shabbos properly. So everybody on whatever level you are on, there's always something we can improve. Just like any marriage. There could be bad marriages that have obviously clear areas of improvement. There are great marriages that can even be better than great marriages. So like the rabbi said, so this Shabbos, I'm asking each of one of you and myself to treat the Shabbos a little better on whatever level you're at. If you work on Shabbos, don't smoke on Shabbos. Make a point to say, I'm not going to smoke on Shabbos anymore. If you don't work, but you drive to shul, at least don't turn on the music in the car. Don't listen to the radio in the car. Show that it's Shabbos even when you're in the car. If you're a person who doesn't come to shul, come for Kiddush. At least you'll hear Kiddush. You'll hear Kiddush. You'll socialize with Jews. People don't talk Lush and Hara. Just do that. Let's say you're already coming to shul and you're more observant. Well, how about don't read any secular newspapers the entire Shabbos? Or let's say you're already beyond that. But you don't sing Zmiros. Sing Zmiros at the Shabbos table. If that's not an issue, try to learn more Torah on Shabbos. Pick a time where you're going to, you know, let's say, I know we need to have a Shabbos shluf. I know that's an important thing. But maybe the Shabbos, you know, say, you know, I could shluf a little less and come to shul and learn a little bit more. One little thing that shows that, you know what, the core and my essence is what who I really am. 
And although it's a challenge, Hashem, you know I can't be perfect, but I could be a little better. I could take one more step on that ladder. Now, if you're at the bottom of the ladder, one step seems very far away from the top, but at least it's one step. If you've taken a lot of steps already, and what's one step going to... Every step makes a difference. Let me end with a parable. There were two friends, and they went on a teal. They were hiking around, and they're hiking near a beach, and it was hot, and they weren't prepared so well. And, uh, you know, they're thirsty, and, you know, you, you get a little bit upset. So, you know, they got on each other's nerves, and one of them smacked the guy on the, on the face. And this is by the seashore. So the fellow takes a stick, and he writes on the seashore, Hachavir hachi tov shali sotar li bafanim. My best friend slapped me in the face. Okay, they keep walking. They decide to swim a little in the ocean over there. And uh, one of the, that same friend who got slapped, he had trouble swimming, whatever, his life jacket fell off, and he's drowning. And the other friend who just slapped him a half an hour before, jumps in, saves him with a lot of effort. Brings him back to the beach to safety. So that friend, this time instead of a stick, he takes a a sharp uh, implement and he scratches into a stone. My best friend saved my life. And the friend asked, how come when you wrote the first one, you wrote it on sand? And now you're writing it on stone. So he said like this, when you slapped me in the face, I knew you would regret it and it wouldn't last. So I wrote it on the sand and the waters of the beach will rock it off. But when you jumped in the water to save my life, I knew that was the essence of who you are. And therefore I scratched in a permanent unindemnable mark that it will never go out again. So too is HaKadosh Baruch Hu with us. A whole year we've done Averis. Hashem writes them all down. But you know what he does? He says, my good friend was Machal Shabbos. My good friend spoke Lashon Hara. My good friend wasn't careful in Kashrus. My good friend didn't learn as much as he could. But Hashem writes it in sand. He writes it in sand because he knows he knows we're going to regret it one day. It's going to get washed off. But when you say, I'm going to not smoke on Shabbos anymore. If you say, I'm going to take Shabbos in a little early this week. And you say those things, Hashem writes it in stone. Because he knows that is what you really want. And therefore, Abayis, I give us all a bracha. That over this Shabbos and this Yom Kippur, all the times Hashem wrote that my friend slapped me, the waters will wipe it away. And the little efforts we make to try to be good, although not perfect, Hashem shall etch it in stone to remain forever till we he etches more and more and more until we reach really high levels on that ladder. And we should all be zoicha to a shana tova masuka gemar chasima tova for everyone. 
and we hope they'll only have the best in the coming new year. Amen.